Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotter. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry, by the uh, um, technical goodies. Radio hotter. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. G'day viewers, and welcome to episode 26 of Radio Hot Lap, where we take a light-hearted look at the world of motorsport, gadgets, and barbecues. And uh, JP here, uh, Johnny's back from his uh, big trip to Bimpf, or well, more about that later. And how are you Johnny? Yeah, not too bad mate. How are you? I'm alright, thank you. A lot better. Um, we have to apologise for uh, episode 25.5 because we didn't actually do an episode last week. Johnny gave me the flu that he had the week before and uh, then he was trying to get ready to go off to Bathurst and it all just sort of fell in a hole, really. That's because you had a glass of my wine. Well, actually, you poured the wine that I couldn't drink because I was sick into your own glass and it was... Uh, and got your germs. Yeah. Oh, it's all that backwash. So you never warned me about that. <laughs> well, we did manage to put episode 25.5 up, and I, yep. I, I thank the viewers for the fact that they wouldn't have to, have to listen to our dulcet tones. Well, that's probably a very good idea, and uh, you know, and they were very dulcet last week. Anyway, uh, on to the beers. Cheers. Cheers. What have you got there today? Mate, uh, I don't have a Cooper's Lager in my hand, because I have been drinking a fair few of them. Um, That'll be on account of you've got a fridge full. Mate, Thank I'm, you, Glenn. I'm actually having a, a home brew made from uh, Lindsay Dive. Oh, uh, Lindsay oh. made some up at uh, Mona Musna Vale. And he, and he, <laughs> Mona Musna. And he, uh, and he sent them down to me. And uh, they're pretty good. They're a little cloudy, but, uh, you know, I think if he practices a bit more, they'll get clear. Oh, very good. I suppose if you stick them in the fridge long enough and let all the sediment drop to the bottom, you can probably pour a nice clear one anyway. Well, it's very good. Thank you, Lindsay, from Musna Vale. Contrary to the uh, to the weather outside, which is getting very, very uh, parky, I think, as they say in uh, in Adelaide at the moment, somebody turned the switch on Easter Sunday night and decided it was time for winter. And uh, anyway, it's a bit but, chilly, but uh, I've still managed to have a nice icy cold Corona with a slice of lemon down the neck because I think I've had enough lager too. Yeah, that's quite a nice light beer. The dogs had a nice... Russ, hello, Russ. The dogs had quite a light meal tonight too, and I had yeah. to heat it up a little for the little the little pupster. Oh. There she is, sitting by the door, having a little look outside at the dark. At the dark. For the birds to come in. Yeah, it's a little bit different to uh, the week before the Clipsaw, and we were still having glorious daylight and sunshine. But there you go. Well, that's enough patter, isn't it? And Absolutely, it is. All right, so going. what happened at Bathurst then? Come on. Well, suddenly it was a big weekend. Oh, it was great. Suddenly no one turned up. Mm. Uh, it wasn't that bad. I think the numbers for the weekend was about uh, 22,000 people over the three days. The uh, Bathurst International Motorsport Festival. The which, BIMF. Yes, and uh, James O'Brien uh, was the uh, man behind the, the name behind the, the, the shop. who was um, He did a very good job, and there were some things which were out of his control. Uh, that uh, caused the event to probably be a little bit slow, and I'll, I'll go into that in a minute. But he's um, he comes from a, a good um, pedigree of building events because he yep. r- ran uh, the uh, indie event, uh-huh. and uh, I think that the, the event's got a lot of potential. I, I really see down the track that it will turn into being a Southern Hemisphere version of Goodwood, 
because we've got the track that everybody wants to have a go around in. Um, we just need to probably have a delegation to go over to Goodwood and tell everybody that um, they're invited to come down and play uh, at, at Bathurst. Sounds like a great idea to me. I believe also he had uh, quite a few um, people out doing surveys of, of the uh, spectators that went along, asking them what they liked and what they didn't like so that they can make improvements for next year's event, uh, which they're already planning. I mean, uh, probably the biggest thing against the organisers this year was the fact that I think the race was only announced at the beginning of February, so they really only had a very short time to put everything together. Look, it came together. It came together pretty pretty quickly, like you said, and it did have a full support of the, of the Bathurst City Council, and that's important. They're probably looking for just as much of a new revenue tourism stream, um, and and it's definitely a lot more relaxed sort of uh, feeling than. It was, um, you know, for the October races. Yep. There was a bit of a police presence, but certainly I didn't see anyone getting collared. And there wasn't wasn't a loud voice anywhere, and there was a very you know comfortable, nice little Jackson beer stand there, directly right. in the back of the pits. But there was a lot of space there that, that could have been utilised. And uh, you know, I think it's like, you know, it's like a bit like the first twenty four hour race. I think you know, no one really knew whether it's going to hit or miss. And, yeah, and and there were plenty of other events on around the, around the country too. Anyway, I mean, mm. like South Australia, we're all evented out at the moment. Uh, Calder, they had the uh, was it a muscle car uh, show uh, happening. So you know, you would have only I presume got people from uh, New South Wales and and uh, Queensland at, at the at best going there. Oh, there were a fair few people around actually, um, and I think they they did come from. Far and wide, there was a family there that had spent, uh, they said, $750 getting there from somewhere down in the Riverina and thought it was well worthwhile. I mean, the weather was nice and, and it was, I think, people were just quite happy to sit there and listen to the sound of the cars roaring down the chute. And, uh, yeah, there was some clown who decided to snap off the Bathurst Street sign, you know, <laughs> from somewhere around town, you know, and sort of he was hanging around with it, sort of like, hey, can you arrest me? <laughs> and a few faces that you didn't expect to see some of the supercar drivers had turned up and looked like they were all having a bit of fun. So it really was a, a, a motorsport festival in the true sense of the word, or it could grow into a motorsport festival in the true sense of the yeah, word. Yeah, it definitely had the feel of a festival. Um, the museum, the Bathurst Motorsport Museum, yep. well, pretty much all of the interesting cars were taken out and, and, and punted around the track. Oh, really? And, yeah, and they were all run at, uh, run at um, uh, you know, full speed. Uh, there, I was talking to John Goss, and he was... Uh, and mind you, out the summit of his and he was taking the old JRA Jaguar. That Tra- he, trained Rick Shaw. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a rickshaw uh, around the mountain there. And I said, uh, Johnny, that'd be a little bit heavier than the, when, when it went to weigh in. Uh, when you went to race that, and he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you'd have a bag of big cable ties, wouldn't you, for tying the seat down in case it come loose. You're, ah. Yeah, very good. And there was some, um, and then it'll, it'll turn around, and there's a KB sitting in the old uh, XA, yep. with, which was incidentally co-drove with, with John Goss, and he, he had a lot of fun. Uh, KB actually has a BMW uh, 1150 GS, and he Ooh. rode down in the in the night from his home in Mullaney in the behind the Glasshouse Mountains in Queensland to uh, team up with Matty O'Grady. Oh, so he just zoomed down on the bike. Uh, yeah, and and, he, and his son came down as well, and yeah. uh, that, that was really good. I was like, oh. and it was funny because these guys that really they were um, they were just so appreciative that uh, th- this event was being put on for them and that the Legends V8 Ute Challenge uh, had, had come to fruition. Because I think they... I was thinking to myself, you know, some of them could be a bit hard work and a bit yeah. precious, but they were just 
absolutely so appreciative that they were going to get a race around the drive around in. Bathurst. They just thought, they all thought that they're never going to do this again in their life. Back in the driver's seat and having fun again. Yeah. It yeah. must have been great it, for them. It, it, it was funny because, you know, like some of them didn't have their didn't have their licences. And so... It, it, they it, it was, go back on peas with well, cans. That's right. It was, in <laughs> fact, it's, uh, it's ironic that uh, the, the, the Utes race was won were by uh, Skippy, Skippy, Skippy Parsons, Parsons, who won the great race in 1987 with Brocky, and uh, and he's well, on he's, been, he's been out of, <laughs> out of the sport for about five years or something, uh, uh, building his construction or trucking business or something. He's a thing. farmer, but he's uh, yeah. he's been racing Marcus Sakanovic's Commodore Cup car down, the second Commodore Cup car down in Tasmania. So, uh, and I watched him when we went to Simmons Plains, and he's had dinner with him, and he's he's a lovely bloke, and definitely has, has got his hand in. He was a very very good steer. In fact, the I'd have to say that the uh, the two outstanding drives of the weekend from the legends' point of view were uh, the V8 Utes standards of driving standards advisor Andrew Medici. It just was brilliant, yep. um, as was uh, Skippy Parsons. Right. And so, funnily enough, they, they were the top two finishers. With, they uh, were the top two Marcus finishers. and Jack. That's right. Jack and, and Andrew finished the, the first race on Saturday uh, in front, and Marcus and Skippy second, and the roles were reversed for the, the, the next uh, race. In fact, the second race was, was, a, was a cracker. Um, because they had to reverse grid positions on the basis of how they had finished the race. So that basically saw Jack on the back row with, um, um, or rather Andrew starting the race and Skippy yep. um, on the row in front. Now Skippy was on the outside and, and Al- Andrew was on the inside. Um, and they both got good starts. Uh, Andrew's going up the inside there, up against pit wall, but like all the older legends in the front, <laughs> like they all got a bit like, you know, the tippy toes coming into the first corner, and um, Skippy just managed to, like, be, you know, a bit of a grass cutter with two legs in the dirt and went up the outside and basically around, around the, the entire outside of the whole field, and it was, he was in, in the lead by the time they got past the winery on Mountain Strait from, from, like, second last on the grid. And um, Andrew was like frustrated, and he was stuck behind the uh, the, the the old uh, group there. I think it was Bob Holden was in the Orange Grove car with Greg Willis. Yeah. Uh, but interesting blokes, really, really good to talk to. Um, some 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 really lovely people there. Graham um, Moore and are we getting teeth coverage of that? Don't know what'll happen out of that. There was uh, yes, there is actually going to be a half hour a show coming up. I don't know if you was exactly like the V8 Utes channel. channel no, I don't know, but they were doing. There's going to be a half hour or one hour special on what went on there. Oh, well, that'll be good. But the the Utes were very popular, as were the legends, and I think that's probably the essence of what it was about. And also the having these historic cars come out because then they got an opportunity to to drive the cars. It was also interesting to sort of to see that uh, Bo Seaton was scheduled to drive in with Damien White, but he had a bit of a difficulty t- touching the pedals. Uh, and, and hence you felt uncomfortable under the braking. Right. Anyway, that was the marketing uh, marketing answer. That is not <laughs> actually what happened, but we can't tell you exactly what happened there. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, so we were looking around for a, a spare drive. Um, it happened in, in the, the very uh, first practice session, uh, Gary Trelaw destroyed the car, which um, had been run by... Uh, oh God, I can't remember. Yeah, the second Kanga car. Oh, yeah. That um, Anyway, was, yeah, Gary Tall owned the car, and he was a, a over-the-top skyline, and the car absolutely trashed. 
Uh, that was a pity because Neil Crompton was to be driving in that, and of course, well, it won't hurt. Like he's, you know, he's he's from Network Ten. We're doing Channel Nine coverage with that. Uh, with that series, yep. but still, it's good to have someone who can, you know, extol the virtues of a category and can be a bit technical about it. Getting the car, let him do a bit of mileage, um, and that's good. And he's, there's no two ways about it. He hasn't lost his touch because he ended up uh, third on the weekend, uh, teaming up with Damien, who uh, when he managed to get into the car, ah, and right, in fact, yeah. he actually started the race without having done one lap in the car. So when he got in the car... Well, Crompton. ...to go up the hill, yeah. he'd never driven the ute, and he still managed to bring it home first. So that's pretty creditable. Oh, yeah, it absolutely uh, is. And, and had done a super job in the morning to lead the Aussie Racing Car Challenge. Yeah. And and the day before, uh, uh, Paul Morris had never had a drive, came out and won the damn thing. And I, <laughs> so I, I'd have to say, viewers, I reckon it was a bit of a stage job. But, but that was good. Yeah, so top weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend. There were a few it's, things like which were disappointing to the crowd that there, there had been a, a team Australia had promised that they would have a champ car there, and it was one of the well, I didn't cars get the engine in time well, from yeah, they, in the states or so. I heard. Okay, and the story is such that the, um, the the champ car was was here and the engine was sent out, but there was a problem with the engine and it was sent back for repair or you know fixing up but it didn't make it here in time so there was a bit of egg on the on the WPS's face and um, being the major sponsor of the uh, event I thought it was a little bit poor form that their major transport had disappeared down mountain down uh, the the um, you know the start finish line straight yeah. at about 11 o'clock in the morning with the crowd there it didn't really send a very good signal out but thank you Shane Gore for the drinks that you bought the night before and you're a very messy man um, but we had a lot of fun <laughs> okay. and uh, and Lana Gibson also remembered to keep you up to that promise and um, she got in uh, the supercar with Bargs for, oh, really? for a lap round there yeah. in the morning and she had a bit of a sore head but uh, that was a, a quick fix for that she came out with a glow oh, she didn't have a sore head after the drive with Bugs because of the G-forces, she had a sore head. When she, she had a sore head because she was very average uh, in the morning. Nothing to tell do. You, yeah. That, now, that is one thirsty lady. I, you know, I have a theory on, on her that she's been on this planet a couple of times because for her 23 years of age, she's very worldly and very knowledgeable. She's not just, you know, the, the dumb blonde. Right. So she's really... Really knows her stuff, and uh, it's like you sort of go, how she's adapted to uh, her role as the media coordinator at the V8 Yitz and, and just got along with everybody and has just taken it, and, and really her first job out of Bond University, she's done a brilliant, yeah, brilliant. I think she's, uh, well, she was certainly good when we, uh, when we met her at uh, Clipsal. Yes. Um, and had a good chat there. Um, and but she's been around overseas and whatnot as well, so I think probably that's part of where the worldly experience might come from. I don't know what she's been up to. No, all. I'm not talking like that, Johnny. Well, anyway, she would have, wouldn't she? <laughs> Is this a family show or what? Anyway, um, I know what I was going to talk about. Was um, can I get you another Corona? Yes, please. That'd be nice. Uh, Puka Koi this weekend. Do you, do you reckon that uh, that the Murfster can do it again? Or do you reckon he's going to dip out this year? Who cares? Wow, yeah, true. He's an annoyance, isn't but, uh, the, this is it? But going to be interesting. This is going to be the first round with the reverse grid. Um, that's I think that's going to be the main thing to be watching for. Yeah, Peter Wallerman, the uh, yeah. sheriff. 
of Nottingham yep. at the V8. So you, the V8 uh, supercars is, is definitely he, not taking his any right hand man. No, isn't he? He's taking, not, not taking any crap from anybody. So, but you know, it's, it's a marketing line. You know, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, that'll that be, be good. good. Be a good weekend, I think. Good bit of racing. Yeah, just before we go off the issue of Bimph, the Bathurst International Motorsport Festival, Festival. Uh, I, I really think that it's got some legs. Um, you know, the GT race was good. The, the, the historic cars were good. The Utes were, were good. They just need a little bit more, you know, stuff for people to, to see. A jazz band, a food and wine festival I think we or could something. get, like, maybe supercar, uh, supercars as in Ferraris, uh, <laughs> Lambos, stuff like that next year, I, I which makes it more a la Goodwood. You know, you get all those exotic brands hanging around the place. It, 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 yes. The, the only problem that you have is with an event like Bathurst or a circuit like Bathurst, if you get some of these old dungers out there and they shit themselves halfway up the hill, mm. then they're going to cause a safety car situation. You're going to have to send a recovery vehicle out and then you go, what are you doing with the rest of the people around yeah. there? Whereas Goodwood is a lot more a lot more suitably laid out to be able to just take something away. And um, True. So, that, you know, that I suppose that it just comes down to you've got to prepare re- prepare things but because no one yeah. wants safety cars because that really slows down the whole operation. Oh, well. But hell, where could you go? Where else could you go and get a lap around the, one of the greatest tracks in the world in a supercar and do nearly 300 kilometres an hour? Chuck your $450 down and Paul Morris yep. will take you around for two or three laps. Really, it was actually one, just negotiate your own price, you know, blah, 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 and then you go. And in the case I've of only lap, got 150 Oh, well, you get only get an, an in-lap and an out-lap then. That's yeah, it. you just get a roll up through pit lane and you get out at the end. <laughs> but uh, that was good. They had a, like a demonstration sort of race between uh, Paul Morris and, and Bargs, and it was, you know, after you, after you, after you. But it was all right, you know, hey. Punters liked it. Well, that's what's all drag about. Drag cars were there. Oh, really? Yeah, um, I didn't know there was drag cars. Uh, what's his name? Stevens was there yep. in the uh, the Jack Daniels car, and that was nasty on the ears. This thing, a mix of was telling me that it's got some five hundred and eighty four cubic inch this, that, and the other thing. You know, two thousand <laughs> horsepower, but it was very, very noisy. And we was le- st- standing on the pit wall there and looking over, and it coming through. You absolutely had to have your, your, your earplugs in. You you would just go deaf. It would hurt. And it popped a tyre right in front of us, like it was, yeah. it was like the length of the coffee table away from here. And and then it sort of... Rawr, 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 I sort of like lolloped up the road like as it does on the camp <laughs> to reveal chunks of burning rubber in the middle of the road. We're just going, how <laughs> weird is that? And then, the, then there were like a whole bunch of people had to come out and sweep the rubber oh, away. Of course. Yeah, it yeah, reminds yeah. me of when I was a kid. I used to go over to this a mate's place and he, he was a pest and, and we used to have like proper bungers yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah and, and the, there was one called a thunder and it was nasty and his mum wouldn't ever let us use it so she went here you go and she'd light it and she threw it out the back window and it would go bang in the backyard and we'd spend the next two hours cleaning up every shred of paper I'm going what the hell I don't know what I told you that but I did. no no wow well, <laughs> clearing up bits of paper clearing up bits of rubber that's the way it works rubber another Absolutely. muster beer muster Musner, Musner, yeah, I hear you that there was a bit of Musner action. What's the story with the oh, Musner? Musner's, no, I don't know. Don't know? It's a Westy. Oh, a Westy thing, is it? Okay. Well, listen, we've got a couple of people we're going to get on the show. Oh, that's right. We well, we're going to get uh, Alan Simonson. I think we'll do yep. Al first. And then uh, International Paulie. So I'll just stand by while I get him on the line, viewers. 
Well, viewers, I've got Alan Simonson on the line. Alan, are you there? I'm there, mate. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but which part of there are you? Which part of the world are you in this week? Uh, this week it's Melbourne, mate. This week it's Melbourne. You've been doing a bit of running around. In fact, I haven't seen you since Copenhagen Airport, but I've spoken to you about 50,000 times. I know. Um, sometimes I don't even know where I am myself, mate. Um, it's one of those things, really. Um, just come back from um, from Europe where I was at... Um, Silverstone shaking down the new Ferrari 430, uh, which was very good. Um, first race in that championship is going to be um, next week. No, sorry, it's going to be the first weekend of May at Silverstone uh, in the FIA GT3 championship. And um, after we shake down the car at uh, Silverstone, I was off to Istanbul for the first round of the Le Mans championship where I drove the uh, Porsche RSR, uh, which was a bit of a trip. Mate, that was uh, pretty exciting for you to go down there playing Alibaba and the 40 Thieves to find your major sponsor, Coopers, on the, all the branding uh, there in Istanbul. I know. Um, I didn't expect to see that, um, especially not from a religious country like that, but uh, <laughs> they might not know what Coopers is. <laughs> Are they allowed to have a drink down there? I'm not sure. Oh, I think some of them are. They're allowed to have a drink, but they're not allowed to, uh, to advertise, I think, so... Um, but uh, no, it was it was good. It was a good experience. But um, I mean, this part of Istanbul where the track is, uh, sorry, this part of Turkey where the track is, it, it's not the prettiest part of of, uh, of Turkey. Um, but the track was absolutely fantastic, and uh, and um, it was one of those tracks that has a corner where you sort of get the wow experience every time you go around. Um, and uh, no, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Is it a bit like a 130R at Suzuka, maybe? A bit like 130 Arts of and a roof at Spa and uh, Cops at uh, Silverstone, one of those corners. Yeah, great, that's good. So um, you were going to campaign the, the new Ferrari 430 Challenge in British GT, but I believe that Avon hasn't made a tyre suitable for that car, and it is an Avon series, so now Hector Lester, who's bought the car, is going to run it uh, under the JMB Ferrari brand with um, in the European, um, the new... FIA European GT series, GT3 series. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, I mean, that's that's a, a good change um, going from British GT to um, to a European Championship. Um, and um, you know, I'm just quite lucky to be part of it. And being associated with JMB, I mean, they are the most winning Ferrari team over the years. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's um, it should be should be a good experience, and, and it fits in really well with my busy schedule, as it's only five rounds, um, and it means that I only have to fly to Europe ten times this year. <laughs> <laughs> just enough, to, just enough to get the platinum card up. <laughs> I got the platinum card on uh, on my third trip uh, two years ago. <laughs> um, I just worked out the other day actually that I've been in and out of Australia. Um, 18, eight, 18 times have I flown to Australia in the past two years, which means I've been pretty busy. <laughs> it means that uh, you've spent around about 40 days of your life sitting on a plane eating bad food. I know. Oh, I know. We'll just have to We'll have to work on those upgrades, mate. I just don't think you should be uh, sitting in business anymore. I think you need to move to first. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, That's the joke of the day. <laughs> I remember when we were uh, holidaying um, earlier in the year, um, it was all a bit uh, 
you know, or, or where are we going this year? But it's, now it's uh, it's funny how things turn around, don't they? Uh, the quiet the quiet moments. Um, everybody sort of gets on their high horse and goes, right, this is what we're doing, and you've 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 done well by being able to pick up the most uh, desirable co-drive in the Australian V8 Supercar Championship at Triple Eight Race Engineering with Roland Dane. That's right. I mean, that's that's a uh, once in a lifetime opportunity, and uh, I'm very grateful for for being giving giving this this chance to uh, to show my uh, abilities in the V8. As you say, it's probably the best car in, in the country, and uh, you know those changes don't come ar- come around often. So uh, I've grabbed it, and I'm going to make sure that I that I. Um, get the most out of it that's for sure so how does the driver pairing work out is it uh, a case that, that you'll be with either Jamie Wincup or Craig Lowndes or would it be with uh, Richard Lyons I think it's the way it looks at this stage and uh, it would make most sense it would be to put Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup in the triple eight car and put Richard Lyons and myself in the other car um, obviously both Jamie and uh, and Craig Lowndes uh, are both going for the championship and um, they're both super fast drivers which which has a lot of experience now and uh, it would make make most sense putting them in, in the lead car and then have um, Richard Lyons and myself driving the 88 car. Having said that, 88 car is the car that uh, leads the championship at this stage. Um, but no, I mean at the end of the day I think uh, on, on pure speed I don't think there's much in it who drives with who. I mean we've done the first test day and, uh, and it was Richard Lyons' first time in the V8 but he will surprise a lot of people. He was extremely fast, um, and um, if he can get around Bathurst and uh, get his head around the track, um, he will be uh, very, very fast, um, and uh, we just need to get the best out of it. But I believe that um, there's a top result in, in both cars. Obviously, um, the lead car is, is going for the win or nothing else, and, and, uh, and I would like to see uh, Richard and myself finish in the top five in, at both races. It must be very pleasing for you to see that the uh, what some would consider as the sister car, or the, even the second car, um, came out on top at Clipsal 500, and that just shows that the engineering is uh, very balanced at Triple Eight Race Engineering. Um, so any, either car is just as just as capable. Yeah, I mean Triple Eight is such a professional team that they don't run a second car. In the previous years where I've driven in the V8, it's quite clear where. Um, where the effort is being put, and, and that's fair enough. I mean, a lower, lower budgeted team, they will run a number one car and a number two car, but with Triple Eight, uh, the better electrical team, it's obviously such a professional team that they run two number one cars and they have two number one engineers, which uh, which is what uh, people do in Europe. You know, they you run two number one cars because at the end of the day, um, you you're, you're um, you know you're um, bagging uh, on, on two horses instead of just having one and then if, if that if, if something happens on one on one car then you've got a problem and, and then you, you haven't got good engineers and stuff on the second car so I mean it, it's, the, it's the only right thing to do is to run two number one cars and uh, I think if, if the other teams in V8 supercars want to catch up on Triple Eight and, and HRT and those guys they need to start doing that the, uh, the just the atmospheric conditions that the drivers face at Clipsal 500 <clears throat> were were pretty extreme, and I think we're seeing this year in year out now. That that is a very very tough race. 
Have you been in any events yourself, like where you've had that sort of level of temperature? And I understood that uh, that uh, the temperature sensor which came off the brake pedal of the Autobahn car that Steve Owen had driven this year and that you had driven last year showed 91 degrees C. Yeah, I mean, I haven't um, driven a supercar at those extremes. What, what we've got to remember is that a, super, a very supercar is quite a physical car to drive. Um, I think I've driven in more extreme heats, but probably not in a physical, physical car as a V8 supercar. Um, the GT cars are, are a little bit easier to drive um, than the V8 supercars, probably because I've spent more time driving them, but just from the physical side of, uh, of view, the, um, the V8 supercars are, are physical and, um, you know, it really takes it out of you. But, I mean, when we raced the 550 in Bahrain, um, you know, that was in the middle of the desert and, and that was very, very hot there. Uh, but then the races weren't two hours long, you know, that's, that's, that's obviously what gets you at, at Clipsal. Um, and, uh, I mean, the years that I've driven in, at the Clipsal race, um, because the races are very short, um, you, don't, you don't get the heat. It's, it's, it's because the races are so long that, that you really um, get worn out. Well, it's really good that you've got that opportunity, and I know you'll seize that uh, with both hands and do a very good job there. Just looking back at the uh, the opening round of the Le Mans Endurance Series, <clears throat> you've joined a new Italian team, which is actually has uh, the Porsche Works uh, uh, factory support, um, a 996 GT3 RSR, and also it has the Pirelli tyre program, factory tyre program behind it. How's that really helping you? Well, it means that you get the best of the best which Porsche has available. Um, the at introduction of the Ferrari 430 and the Panos Esperante LMGT into the GT2 class has seen uh, fit for the organisers to add a air restrictor or a rather a more more, um, more restrictive um, airflow to the Porsche. Now the Porsche has been a winning car for many years but to be fair it is at the sunset of its development whereas these new cars are really at, at the beginning. Is 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 parity a problem at the moment? Parity is a big problem at the moment and I think those air restrictors that got given to the Porsches um, should really have gone to the Panas and the Ferrari and then you would have an even program because they are the people who have developed new cars which are quicker, um, a lot quicker and uh, and the Porsches is sort of as you say they, they've come to the end of development and the improvements that you get on them is, is very small the new Porsche is not out until the end of this year uh, that's the RSR um, 997 um, so this year the Porsches will struggle so I think the event organisers did see it this year uh, so it did see it to the um, at the first race that um, it was a problem that the Porsche weren't um, 
the uh, as the as the fry and the panas. Um, at the end of the day, we can only hope that they uh, they get it sorted out. Or um, but the, but the other thing is with these races, they're a thousand kilometres long. You know, it takes six hours to do them, and and the, and being in the Porsche, it's a very well sorted car. You know, so normally they run without problem. I mean, we weren't that fortunate because our gear stick broke off in the race where we, when we were running third. But I mean, you, we could have been lucky; nothing would have happened, and we would have easily finished on the podium. Well, you know that. They're the things that the Porsches are renowned for, that they, they do last the distance, where with new cars you never know. But on outright speed, when we're talking qualify, it's, there's no way we can keep up with the Ferraris or the Panaces at this stage. Earlier in the year, you um, uh, went down to Wakefield Park with Ted Huglin just to help him uh, like uh, uh, shake down the Triple C Ferrari 360 GT after its uh, summer diet and vacation at a mechanical work workshop and you ended up actually ending up in the car and winning the event but uh, it was a bit frustrating wasn't it I understand that they, they were throwing some parity changes at, at, at people at very unrealistic time frames when you're sitting on the dummy grid asking you to raise your ride height it shows that there's not much understanding about the mechanics and uh, the, the the need to, to, to set up a car pr- correctly no I mean the problem problem we have with the GT championship is after the Na- Nations Cup collapsed and the GTs were sort of coming back into the scene again, the, the, the organisers wanted to run it as a GT3 championship. Now, I think that's great. I think that, that's, that's great that they can have an overall goal to where they're working towards. The problem that this country faces, you've got, our comp- uh, you've got our compromise form, all the cars which are here, which means all the GT2 cars that, are, that is here, needs to get parity put on them. Now that's a problem when you have a pro driver in one GT2 car and you have an amateur in another GT2 car because really you should put the same parity on the same cars but in this championship they also adjust for the drivers in the cars which is where you're running into trouble. Um, Had there been two Ferrari GT2 cars, which is the GT car, at the the event with, with one amateur driving up next to me then you probably wouldn't have seen the same... Uh, parity being put on the cars but um, that's, that's the things you, you face and, and I'm all for helping them getting it all worked out for them because we, we do really need a strong GT championship with this country and unfortunately because I was winning the races I was the one that got all the parity put on for the second race as you say uh, but once the second race had finished and they realised they'd gone way too far with the, with the, with the parities it got all taken off for the, for the last race and then I won that so I guess they're just sort of putting a toe in the water to what to do, what to do at the moment. I didn't go to Bathurst um, um, at the last race, but I understand that the, the parity thing is getting better and better all the time, and I'm hoping that they just, you know, get it sorted out because um, it's 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 the right way to go to aim for GT3 spec, and and we just got to bear bear over with with them until they get it all absolutely right. Absolutely, the GT3 spec is the way to go and uh, Stefan Rattel has always been on about having a world championship for sports cars and looking at the manufacturer involvement in the European series and then uh, just hearing from um, Scott Atherton, the boss of the American Le Mans series I work with at Panos, and, um, is, is very upbeat about the American Le Mans series because you do need big markets for manufacturers to get involved in it. And to some extent, yes, we could do one race in Australia, you know, as a bit of a flyaway sort of event. But uh, realistically, from a financial, a commercial point of view, you need Europe 
and America to take these on. And, and who knows, we could end up seeing, you know, like the proper world sports car championship. I think there will be a world, world, uh, world, um, world championship in sports cars in a few years. I mean, this year uh, at, at the European GT3 championship, uh, there's 51 cars entered for it. Uh, and this is a race with 51 cars, which are all current spec cars and uh, all in the same class. I mean, um, we're yet to see the first race, but these are the cars which I entered. And if they all turn up, then uh, then I think you, we might even see the World Championship next year. Because obviously, to have that many GT cars in one championship, I mean, that's going to be the best racing you'll ever see. Uh, Ten different, different manufacturers um, going for it. Um, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that next year we're going to see a World GT Championship or certainly a whole lot more along the theme of GT3. And someone that you know quite well, our own Jack Ellsgood, has um, put his hand up to say, I'm, I'm, I'm bitten by the sports car bug. Uh, looks like he's just about cementing a career, a cup deal, but uh, I believe he's had a bit of a chat to you thinking maybe we might be able to arrange something over in Europe together. Yeah, I mean, Jack's pretty keen on, on doing some sports cars and obviously with my contacts, you know, I'll be able to help him, and uh, I'll be ha- very happy to help him put him in a car somewhere. I mean, I'd love to drive with Jack over there if it, if it could happen. Uh, but if, if, even even if I'm busy or driving with someone else, I'd still be happy helping him uh, get a drive. Uh, at the end of the day, I spend so much time in Europe, and and there's quite often that people ring and and you get sort of <laughs> ask for more in a deal. And it's always nice to have some some good guy that you sort of can give the the other deal to. Um, but no, it'd be fantastic to see. Jag and I go over and, and do some races and um, be even better if we could go and win a big race. He's definitely driving very well in the, in, in, in the last year. I, I haven't seen him make too many mistakes, but uh, yeah, there's a bit of pressure there to be able to, to come across, you know, to, the, to go to Bathurst, and, 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 and I think that's the first time he's driven a hit round there, and he's come away with the lap record. Uh, that, you know, that's pretty good because there's a couple of good steerers there behind him. That's right, he's doing a good job. He was doing a good job last year as well. He's done a good job in the youth for many years, but now it's time for him to move on, and that's obviously why he's, uh, he's looking into Career Cup. He's yet to have a fir- his first year in a GT car, and um, look, we'll see how it goes, and if he likes it and he, he wants to move on, we'll, um, we'll see what we can do for him. Okay, Al, so the next race for you is? Next race for me will be uh, the first round of the FIA GT Championship at Silverstone. Uh, it's the first week of May, and as soon as that's finished, I'll fly straight to Spa in Belgium, and then I'll do the second round of the Le Mans Championship there with the Porsche. Uh, any testing between now and then? Um, I'm off to Sandown tomorrow, and I'm going to do a bit of um, setup testing work on the uh, 360 GT for Ted Shugland. Um He's racing this weekend at Sandown on a, on a Victorian State Championship. I'm just helping him out there. And no, I'm not going to race the car. <laughs> <laughs> so far, you don't know you are. <laughs> no, I know I'm not going to race it, no. <laughs> have they got the, the gearbox... No, I'm going to force him to race it himself. <laughs> <laughs> have they got the gearbox glitch sorted out, Alan? They, they believe they have, yes. Right. So, uh, but we'll try and work it out tomorrow. We have five test sessions uh, tomorrow before the race. Um, so uh, we, hope that, we hope that it's sorted out. But uh, that's great news to hear that the year is panning out really well. I hope, yeah. to, hope to get overseas with you uh, for a few races and uh, the best of luck in uh, your final negotiations to secure a Le Mans 24-hour drive. No problem, mate. Thank you very much. Good luck, Alan. 
Good old Al. No, he's a he's a great like a hard as we've, we've talked about him on a few show a few times. Yeah, we have. I think he's the Alan Simonson show, but I mean he's just a really interesting character, and it's just well, you know there's plenty of people it. from Australia, and to have someone from the other part of the world is really interesting. Well, it is, and not only that, I mean he just drives so such a big variety of cars. You, you get in all different perspectives, you know, jumping out of Ferraris, jumping into Porsches, jumping into V8 supercars. Um, he's got no time to chase skirt. Well, no, he doesn't apparently. Hmm. Which is unusual, but there you go. <laughs> Spoke to Linda last night, uh, and she's very happy with the way the new Evo 9 Mitsubishi Works car has uh, uh, turned out. They went, went down and spent a week of wreckying down. Oh, she sent me an SMS that basically said, I love this new car. Well, she was talking <laughs> about the road car. <laughs> she was very, very impressed with the road car. Um, and uh, the race car was pretty good. They went down and, and sorted out at Broadford. Yep, uh, Daryl Beatty was down there as well. He's going to be driving around in a regular road car version. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, she's um, got, a bit of, got a bit of work. Yeah, sorry. Very buoyant in terms of like enthusiasm wise. Or? Oh, totally. But uh, I think that she, there's, the pressure is on. I mean, it's a full works factory program, yeah. and it's rust. <laughs> okay, rust. Uh, it is a full works factory program, and they've, they've certainly, obviously, got one hell of a lot of work to uh, come on sausage to do, yeah. because they've got to be very competitive straight out of the box. There's going to be a lot of media attention on the Mitsubishi Works program, uh, especially because this is their first um, event where the factory program is being seen by the public. So they uh, they're definitely going to want to have a good result. And uh, a big foray into uh, in, into t- uh, full time tarmac rallying for them uh, for the first time ever. Yeah, well, no, we wish them all the best, and hopefully we do. Uh, Good luck, Linda. Get down there next week, Linda, to uh, give you a bit of support. And um... should we tell the uh, viewers where they can uh, suss it all out uh, uh, and the dates? Well, I don't know. You don't know? Well, I don't know well, everything. Well, all right. well, I thought you knew. Oh, I mean, it's... that stuff. It's but that stuff. <laughs> you don't yeah, edit, that an do you idiot. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're not editing, we'll... oh, just the minute edit there, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, only only the tiniest. Okay. So Linda's happy. Yes. Well, that's um, all good. When you go to Bathurst, I've always said that there's not a there's nowhere good to eat. But we found this couple of great places, and one yeah. place was called GT Angus. And let me tell you, they did the best grills I've I've had in a long time. When there was a platter that I shared with with Jack. Uh, and it was two big filet mignons and some lamb cutlets so and like sausages a and, a, and, a, and a whole duo of, um, of a, a trio of sauces. And it was look, absolutely beautiful to start with. It was a complete mess at the end because there wasn't much left. A mixed gorilla platter. It was brilliant. Um, finding a wine was a little bit tougher. And uh, we, we, we settled down for the, the $32 frog rock from um, oh, yeah. Mudgy. Which, um, after a couple of mouthfuls, we just decided was to go out to muddy, the chef. Muddy, muddy, muddy. It's an ordinary. Yeah. So that got sent out to the chef and uh, a little bit more of a, a poke around into the uh, the private selection. Found a 1997 Lewin Estate art series, which oh, that we scoffed down. But Mr. Musner, the, um, <laughs> uh, Lindsay Dive, the team manager there, decided that he thought he might like to make his own little blend. And so he put the... The um, the Lewin Estate art series on top of the Frog Rock, so he's basically never allowed any wine at any more events. That's why he brews his own beer. 
But there you go, viewers. Okay, it isn't a, uh, it isn't me, uh, us doing the barbecue. But if you're in Bathurst and you want to have a really good steak arama, then GT Angus is the way to go. Excellent. Um, must be tacky time. You got any tacky stuff you want to talk about? Mm, I can tell you what I what I'd like and what I need is I need Apple to make up their bloody mind about like are we going to come out with a new laptop? Because I mean we've got these new MacBook Pros based on the uh, on the Intel Intel Duo, uh, Intel Duo uh, but like there's only have a 17 inch version and the applications aren't working and I need to even though my my laptop is only a year old like we just need to upgrade that and um, and. Move yeah, well, I mean, the applications do work. What you're what you're really saying is the applications you want to use don't work, and that's been fairly uh, heavily highlighted today in the press. In fact, um, Apple have reported a dip in sales because of the Intel chip, which they you know they quite candidly say they were expecting until such time as the software catches up. Um, but I would suggest it's probably hurting them. Uh, you know, certainly we're seeing people buying MacBook Pros, yes, uh, but they're all people who are running your your everyday run-of-the-mill type products. The the, the heavy-duty sort of stuff that you run and that the graphic design guys run, no, it doesn't run, it, well, it runs slower, basically under emulation. A couple of weeks after the announcement of um, Boot Camp from Apple, which allows you to run the XP operating system as a separate partition on the Intel-based Products that Apple are now have now released, which are be it the the MacBook Pro or the or the um, the Mac Mini, uh, are starting to get a little bit of um, there's a get a bit of a following there, yep. and there are some people who are going, well, this is perfect. And I heard the other day some some people from the architectural field that said, yep. look, we really need a box like this because we have some dedicated CAD tools that only work. From an architectural point of view, yeah. on a PC, but we really do want to Photoshop up and have the graphic user design and the and the lovely experience of OS ten um, on the other side of it. So that it, it it's beautiful. It's, it's definitely gathering momentum. Uh, there was a report the other day that uh, you know that somebody had to do it first, I, I guess, um, and they've run three operating systems. So they've basically been running XP, OS ten, and Linux all on the same box. Uh, the biggest drawback. From the reports I've heard so far, is that in the corporate world, which is obviously where Apple would like to be uh, aiming a lot of sales towards, they don't want the hassle of having to boot out of 10 and boot into XP and vice versa. It's just a pain having to do that. So uh, you know, if when um, when the next incarnation of 10 comes out, you can actually run both systems simultaneously without having to boot in and out, then we're sweet. Yes, I think it's going to be uh, good. Uh, I booked myself up uh, one of those new Dell 30-inch uh, dis- displays just recently, um, but uh, I found that it's not quite as obtainable as it would be made out to be. So their one- to two-day delivery just doesn't seem to be working. Mm. So in the meantime, if um, if Apple happens to come out and... Um, Come out and deliver something in the, the short time frame, like a forty-two inch. Damn, oh, I'll be buying one of those. So thirty inch will be going down. <laughs> so, yeah, well, the thirty inches from Apple are pretty well made of unobtainium as well. So Dell aren't orphans there, and it's all down to LCD suppliers. I understand. And um, while we're on a tech note, um, I have to say I was sat in the uh, in a, a car dealership type place yesterday, having my hands free kit uh, played with in the car. 
and there was an old copy of Motor Magazine from the year 2000, and they had their little bit at the back with all their gadgets and stuff like that, where we read all the beers from on our 21st uh, show, and they had an article from 2000 about digital cameras. If I know that ring, and we'll come back to that, that'll be international poorly. Absolutely. That'll be international poorly. I reckon that'll be Paul Ryan. Hello, boys. <laughs> Hello, Paul. How you That's going? his little signature, isn't it? It Hello, is. Hello, boys. How is uh, the world of radio hotline proceeding? Oh, pretty chirpy, actually. Yeah. Um, chirpy? I, I, chirpy, because um, yeah. one of the uh, the boys from the, the Coopers team up in Sydney has sent me down a bottle of his own special uh, home brew, and it's actually pretty nice. And, and JP's having a uh, Corona yep. and lemon, and it, it's all good, mate. I'm having a cup of tea. A cup of tea? tea. You've been over there too long, Paulie. Cup of tea. <laughs> now I um I did get the photos, mate, uh, of the of their of our the groomsmen's suits or whether we're meant to be wearing at your uh, salubrious wedding later in the year, and I, I was <laughs> I had to have a chuckle <laughs> when I read uh, the email return from Crusher, who'd said they all look the same with a bit of spew on them. <laughs> oh. You know that. There's been none of that going on. When we get to the after party, uh, when we get to the after party later, then, uh, then anything's possible. But uh, it's a drink-free wedding. You never know. Oh dear. Actually, didn't I tell you it was a dry wedding? <laughs> well, you didn't say that on the email you sent me. Uh, do I have to wear a towel over my head? Be, be a cold day. Be a cold day in hell before that happens. <laughs> oh, Mr. Ryan, you never do anything by halves. I don't know what uh, you would have done if she'd said no on the Eiffel Tower. Would it have been a trip onto the space shuttle? <laughs> <laughs> okay, mate. So uh, give us a bit of a bit. give us a bit of an update about what's going on in the Northern Hemisphere world of motorsport. Actually, we have. Yeah. It was something. There was something we. we something we saw earlier. Something we saw earlier. Well, it looks like the, the Le Mans Honda. series, the LMS, is going forward in leaps and bounds. Yeah. And our old mate Nerdy's um gone and said like it's it's gonna gonna go crazy. And yeah, Honda Honda have uh, made a commitment to run a GT two car. GT two. P two. P two. Sorry. P two. Same yep. place. That's going to kick in. Uh, that's going to kick in next year. So it'll be uh, it'll be quite quite interesting. There's a stack of uh, stack of champ car teams kind of lining up to uh, to run that show. Um, certainly going to be uh, one would expect to be a, a fairly competitive uh, proposition. Honda, of course, been looking for something to um, looking for something to do basically because they're um, of course they have the IRL program, but of course they don't get to race against anybody. Because um, they are the control, um, the control engine supplier, so they're it. So it kind of it's not quite the same as um, you know doing battle against uh, uh, doing battle against you know another manufacturer. So they're looking for a bit of competition in that regard. So um, it will be interesting to see how all that uh, how all that transpires and who who gets the gig of actually running it. Apparently, uh, and Julie Green have stuck their hand up. Um, Bobby Rahal stuck his hand up, and even Newman Haas are in the, in the running as well. So it's going to be uh, certainly going to be interesting. We've just got off a bit of a chat with Alan Simonson, and uh, I think you now are oh, aware. Oh, he's a great day. He's very good, and uh, I think uh, very busy. And you're yeah. you're aware now that he's he's got the uh, the JMB Ferrari drive, 
in the new uh, FIA European GT3 Championship. And uh, as we okay. were saying, it, it, it really, this, this championship looks like it could be the, the real thing um, and satisfy, you know, what Stefan Rattel's always wanted. What do you reckon? Well, it's kind of a step up to GT... But is, is, is he doing GT2, GT3? GT3. GT3. Yeah, GT3 is kind of like... Um, I suppose it's a little bit like what Nations Cup used to be kind of thing. It's but they do a, relate to what you can buy. Yeah, it's kind of a stepping stone into a proper GT2 car. So it's... Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. There's going to be a bunch of... Um, uh, what's a nice way to put this? Gentlemen races um, <laughs> competing. So um, I would I would think uh, our friend Mr. Uh, Mr. Simonson uh, is pretty much going to um, uh, depend on kind of who else is in the who else is in the mix. But um, Al would certainly be one of the kind of the top top rung top rung guys in that championship kind of thing. Um, and and it also kind of depends on who he's. Um, who he's paired with. Well, with nine manufacturers being involved in it, Paul, um, and because it isn't like a customer, like it's not a customer car sort of project, like there's direct factory involvement with each of the marks. I mean, that's really got to say something in that, that, that these people are going to want, sales executives are want, going to want to see race car drivers get results because that's going to end up selling product. And when you go to big markets like Europe and America, uh, this has got to make a lot of sense. Well, is it the? Um, I don't know that there's, like, there's a whole bunch of different different brands and so forth involved. I don't think as such that it's actually kind of factory teams that are actually that are actually running, but manufacturers that have kind of blessed. Um, no, I think there's a bit of factory support. I, I think that yeah, you're yeah, right. That, that, that said, okay, yeah, we'll let you we'll let you kind of race our car kind of thing. But you know, all in all, it's good. It kind of brings it's going to bring a lot of opportunities to. Uh, into the mix for people that, that may uh, may not have had uh, the opportunity to, to show their wares, and for a bloke like uh, for a bloke like Alan, um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's ideal because you know a good performance in that in that series, you know, he continues to just knock on the knock on the door really of uh, you know he was kind of in the hunt for the Aston Martin gig this year, and you know he's got the Triple Eight gig, and um, you know there is more and more opportunities. Um, starting to um, starting to starting to open for him, and the better he does in these in these series, um, you know, the, the opportunity for a top line Aston Martin type, you know, four ball total bells and whistles kind of deal is just around the corner. Um, you know, and it, it sometimes uh, it sometimes can be pretty frustrating for drivers who you know keep waiting, waiting, waiting for that. For that deal to uh, for that deal to eventuate, but uh, you know it is sometimes kind of just around the corner, and, the, and there's there's so many guys over the years that kind of you know just kind of chuck it in because they think oh look it's all too hard when you know they were probably inches and seconds away from getting getting the ideal um, the ideal ride that would really kind of be able to kind of capitalise on that and end up with kind of full time gainful employment. So, well, I don't think Alan's one day, of the- we all we all have to race, but we've also got to pay the rent and put food on the table as well, which is you know, sometimes tricky for these guys. Uh, and, and you know, in in Alan's case, that his his strengths also his weakness. He doesn't come from a, a rich family, and so therefore he's not 
you know, he's not getting handouts. It's simply being done through by his for his own tenacity, and and he lives and breathes the sport uh, to get there. And if we look at like uh, some you now, not so much youngsters, but they're certainly not old blacks. Uh, Sasha Marson and Lucas Lua, who had been pretty much the uh, the pinup boys of the Porsche factory cars, have now been able to progress up to the the P2 class and really be. You know the the the, the worldwide pinup boys boys for sports car racing for Porsche. Yeah, it's kind of nice that those guys have you know driven around. Um, you know, I'm not going to call them taxi cabs; that'd be a little harsh on Porsche, but you know, been given a pretty hard time by prototypes and so forth after all these years. And it's great for them to actually kind of get the opportunity to um, to race a prototype, and and they've done a they've done a fantastic job so far. You know, that's the other uh, that's the other. Thing. The other thing that when you do get your opportunity, uh, you have to um, uh, you have to make it stick. Uh, which some guys don't um, you know don't make that happen at the, at the appropriate time. But you know they've had uh, they've stuck with Porsche over the years, and it's, it's certainly it, it is good to see them uh, get that opportunity and make the most of it. And you know guys like Alan and so forth, uh, you know he's still got plenty of time on his side, and I'm sure it's just kind of a matter of time before you see. Bananas. Paulie, what's going on at Multimatic at the moment, mate? Any big news? Anything uh, nothing, secret that nothing, you can't show us? Nothing startling at, uh, at present. Um, we've got the first, the, the second, uh, uh, well, the first sprint race of the year coming up in, uh, coming up in Houston and a street race in a, in a few weeks' time, but there's been a pretty big gap in the, a pretty big gap in the calendar um, over stateside. Uh, this side of the pond in the UK, we've had a continual uh, flood of um, various teams kind of pushing their wares over the uh, over the four-post rig, um, looking for Dave Williams, who is the, the guy that actually inv- originally invented active suspension at Lotus, um, to uh, bounce the car up and down and kind of wave his magic wand over it as he does and um, you know, find those uh, extra tenths of a second... Um, in the workshop rather than out in the racetrack, and we've had Formula One teams and touring car teams and all sorts of um, all sorts of nice little goodies kind of wander into the back of the shop in, over the past kind of few weeks. But uh, you know, I, I suppose the interesting thing coming up uh, that a lot of people are going to be viewed to this weekend is uh, you know the, the Formula One circus kind of returns to uh, Italy for San Marino, and whether or not um, whether or not because it's very much Ferrari territory, and whether or not Ferrari are going to bounce back or going to see another um, uh, another Renault benefit. It's certainly going to be interesting. That this being the first European race of the year, you know, a lot of people think this is the real start of the season. You know, the, the, the teams uh, are familiar with their environment. They've got their own rigs. They've got their own uh, hospitality and merchandising. The drivers have their uh, their little home away from home kind of Winnebago kind of camper things that they that they stay in. And this is when things get really serious. And uh, uh, last year, of course, you had Alonso kind of holding off, uh, holding off Schumacher. Uh, and if he if he can do that again this weekend, then I think uh, you can pretty much write down uh, write down another world championship to him. And you know, there's a lot of people starting to suspect that Alonso could be the Schumacher of the new millennium kind of thing. And you know, Hughie's got seven titles under his belt. Alonso's only got one. Of course, he's got a long way to go. But um, if there's a guy that's going to that the ability to possibly challenge that, then uh, the Spaniard could be the man. 
After uh, the Melbourne Grand Prix debacle for Ferrari, where pretty much all three cars went home as bits and pieces in a box, and then uh, three days later, Michael's testing at Valencia. I wonder how many chassis that Ferrari is actually producing. You know, or they have sort of backed up. I sort of assume they would have to. They would have to assume that at every race they were going to destroy every car because they would just have to have that. You know, the bills ready to go. They have as many as they need, basically. <laughs> you know. Uh, it's pretty much an open-ended, uh, uh, an open-ended budget. Um, so, you know, they've, they've have, they have ten tubs lying around already, and lots the, of bits, yeah. and the ability to actually kind of churn out bits kind of remarkably, r- remarkably quickly. But um, the lead time to from from scratch to build an F1 car like it, is is not no, is not a week. Much, they can pretty much take a tub and do one up in a day and a half. Uh, they got the resources to do it. You know, it's not like a um, it's not like a touring car kind of thing where you've got a stack of welding and, um, and stuff like that. From, from it's Formula it's bolt together composites, yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, everything's composite. You've got the tub, the tubs that all be kind of that have spare tubs sitting there painted, ready to go. And it's basically like a big mechano set. They just kind of come and bolt mm. the thing together, and, uh, and away they go. Um, the the amazing evolution. You, know, you talked on the show a couple of weeks ago about the you know, how intricate the cars are with all these little fiddly little bits all over them and, and stuff like that. But all those fiddly little bits, they're changing them constantly. It's like every every race, there's another little a little widget and a little little winglet here and a little yeah, and all the little arrow bits. Yeah. You know, the, the wind tunnels are actually on the go 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's kind of the extent they run three shifts, and it's constant. They're constantly just trying little, trying little changes and so forth, and, and that's why the show's so uh, so freaking expensive. Mm. And so, what's what what's uh, international poorly doing? Are you zooming around Europe or or back off to the states in the near future? Yeah, and we're heading off to. Um, I just got back from the states uh, over the Easter weekend, but headed to. Um, check out the uh, FIA GT round at Silverstone in a couple of weeks' time and um, bouncing around the idea of possibly going to, going across to Spa for the uh, uh, second round of the Le Mans Endurance Series, go and kind of check that out and exactly kind of see how steep O Rouge is and all, and all that stuff. Oh, cool. Um, check out some, some Belgian beer and Belgian chocolate, as you do. Absolutely. And, um, Won't be as that, steep as Bathurst. Hey, well, apparently, apparently it's, it's up there. It, yeah, it, you look it, at some of the photos, it's pretty... However, it's, it, it's uphill rather than downhill. It's going to be interesting to actually kind of do the comparison um, to, you know, to see exactly kind of what the joint's like because obviously kind of TV flat, flattens everything out. You know, that's what, well, that's what the Europeans, uh, uh, you know, get when they first get to Bathurst. So, you know, it doesn't look anything like it does on, uh, on, the, on the box. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm very keen to go and kind of check check that out. And then, of course, um, yeah, getting ready for Le Mans Test Day, which is the first week in June, and uh, and the race on the third week in June. Yeah, terrific. Paulie, I neglected to tell you that I uh, ran into an old mate of ours at uh, at the AGP, um, wearing a hat with a feather, um, and had his son down there for a bit of a race, Ross Palmer. Ross Palmer. Now, there's a blast in the past. Anyway, put it, put, mate, he's good, mate, and I put him to work on the put him to work on the barbecue and we cooked up everyone some snags and uh, he was actually very gracious and very proud to be around the, the Utes which I, I gave him the opportunity to call whatever he wanted 
Um, and uh, he, was, yeah, he was feeling a bit homesick, but he was there to see Darren have a race and said to me, um, I'm working very hard and I really want the Bathurst 24-hour race to come back in 2008. Well, that would be good to see. Certainly He's would. the man to do it. He oh, is Paulie's gone off the air. Oh, you there? Yep. You're off, you're off the air. <laughs> you just went totally. Did you say you were going to Silverstone in a couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah. Well, Simonson's there, so you can look him up. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, he'd be driving the uh, he'd be driving the, be, the opening the, round of the, the, uh, yeah. of the thing in the J and B four thirty. Yeah, the first weekend in May. So. There will be three of them, so uh, I don't know which number he is. But there are fifty one cars in that series, so uh, I, mean, I reckon that's okay. a good field. The uh, the, the four thirty as you saw it, uh, or um, Hardy as you saw it um, at what the Autosport show, yeah. it's a nice piece of kit. It's um, very nice. We, we had the full. Um, It's not, uh, not, yeah. it's not quite in my budget, mate. No, it, but, uh, I can't. but he's he's For decided he's getting... International multimedia extravaganza organisation like Radio Hot Lap, I'm sure you'd be able well, to... He's, he's, it's amazing how much well, money I get paid for producing video podcasts at Le Mans. He's, he's telling me that he's getting a new car. Yeah. With, and talking about specs, he reckons it's M3 spec. What does that tell you? Uh, I've uh, just decided that uh, it's time to get a new car. And, and and have a bit of fun and you know I you know I I've always wanted a convertible so I put my hand up for a BMW Z4 M Roadster. You tosser. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I actually had a bit of a, had a bit of a worry about that myself. Does it come with a free hair dryer? <laughs> Not just a hair dryer, mate. I know this is exactly what I'm thinking, Paulie. The set of brushes and, cli- and clippers and so forth, you know. Clipper, look at me, give you a clipper around. Next week, you were getting a job kind of cutting the hair down the road, you know. Yeah, he's just upset because i got a new Subi. Any name. Oh, what'd you get? Ah, just the same again. Just re-sprayed it silver this time. But he got the BMW walrus nose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, mate, well, uh, great to talk to you. Yeah. Anything interesting in Teco or barbecue land? Uh... I started playing with, um, on a Teco, Teco front, started playing with InDesign for the first time, uh, for the first time yesterday. Has it really uh, taken you this long? After, after many years of being a Quark, uh, Quark man and, uh, Couldn't you find anybody so, to borrow Quark off of anymore, Paul? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I, I said, couldn't you find anybody to borrow Quark off of anymore the over there? Don't uh, break uh, isn't no, it? No, no, my, no, my Quark's still kind of running. Couldn't uh, find a cereal. <laughs> Keep laying the original uh, CD, please. Uh, it's, it's, interesting to, um, it's interesting to kind of do that transition. It's um, it's kind of a little daunting, but once you actually kind of get the hang of it, it is uh, it is very cool. And did you go to the edit menu and change to Quark Express preferences? No, I didn't know you could do that. Well, there you go. The little tip from JP there, mate. Oh, there we go. I told yeah, quite so everything I, everything I discovered and learned yesterday, I'll have to throw out the window oh. and try and... Uh,
if you're looking at a uh, at a magazine or a newspaper or anything like that kind of in front of you, it's a pretty fair chance of being produced in one of those programs. Which Absolutely. Is, you know, and Paul, we while we've got before you... We, uh, before we became multimedia, international extraordinaire type kind of thing, doing everything online. So. <laughs> and Paul, while we've got you, we should uh, definitely uh, give you a pat on the back for the excellent uh, editing that you've uh, been putting together. Um, and audio stings for the uh, Multimatic uh, Team Panels podcast, and yes, yeah, fantastic, very interesting to to hear. Um, you know, um, Bruno Ginquera and uh, David Brabham, and uh, all those guys talking about their experiences at Sebring. It was excellent. You done we well. Edit, um, as, as opposed to Radio Hotline. Oh, well, yeah, but know, it's not all in the editing, Paulie. You have to know what questions to ask them. That's right. Oh no, no, no! It's easy bit. It's easy. I've been kind of doing them, doing this sort of carry on for long enough. Yeah, you to, just wind uh, them up and let them talk, don't you? Be able to kind of bluff and let through, but uh, no, the the reaction to uh, reaction to, to the whole uh, the whole podcast here has been uh, it's been very positive. So uh, you know, we're hoping to bring uh, give the race fans kind of plenty to um, plenty to listen to over the uh, over the months ahead um, as we kind of continue into the continue into the new year. So Any statistics on your subscription rate? Uh, to be honest, I haven't looked at that for quite a while. I looked at it. Uh, I, I looked at it a lot, a lot initially. Um, we had about mm, oh no, no idea at this stage. I'd have to go back and I'd have to go back and go back mm. and have a look. But um, the people that need to listen are listening, so uh, you know that's the important thing, sir. That's right. All we just need Absolutely. to do is get mothers and babies to go to shopping centres <laughs> that know nothing about motorsport to listen. Indeed. Okay, son. Well, right, I appreciate mate. your time. I think we're going to nip out for a uh, nice steak Quite down sweet. the road tonight. Yeah. As you do. And you, you keep enjoying your cup of tea, lad. I'll keep enjoying my cup of tea. <laughs> and and uh, uh, well, no more, um, no more beer for me till the wedding. So uh, you know, I have to. Uh, oh, I might so, have a beer on the mall, so Yeah, yeah that, oh, that's exactly I right. Say, I was yeah, just going to yeah, say, yeah, I'll see you in about well, seven well, weeks for a beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, might, uh, I may have to have a Cronenberg sixteen sixty. All right, buddy. Good on you. Thanks, right, Paulie. Thanks, Paul. See you, See mate. You soon. Bye. Well, I think that's it, isn't it? Because I think it I'm is. hungry. And, and, and yeah, well, I am hungry, and I won't finish telling the story about the digital cameras. I'll go on. All right, then. Well, Olympus, just, yes. Just because, yeah. Uh, well, finish off partly Olympus. Um, there was a there was an Olympus there. It was. Remember, we're talking 2000, late 2000. So, technically, it's five years ago. Five years ago, there was this very schmick-looking Olympus, and it was 2.5 megapixels, very sexy silver and black case, blah, 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 two and a half grand. Now, how far have we come? Two and a half grand five years ago, and now you can get a bloody super deluxe five megapixel plus for six or seven hundred bucks. Well, you've seen my Viewers. little Olympus, 7.1 um, all-weather yep. dirt cam. Exactly. It weighs um, 150 grams. It has a not let me down, but it's caused all sorts of havoc at the car races. In the, in the, <laughs> yeah, because you can in, sneak it in everywhere. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I've got people paying me for photos that they were getting for free now. <laughs> but so there you go, viewers. If you've been holding off thinking you'd wait for the prices to go down of a digital camera, 
just bear in mind in five years two and a half thousand dollars for a 2.5 megapixel to about 700 bucks for a five megapixel or above um the time is ripe go for it when we were at uh, Bathurst, we went out to the airport andrew medecki had flown down from um, Port Macquarie in his Cirrus SR22. And while we were like, having a look at the, the, the plane before we went for a bit of a joy flight with him, there was a one of the government um, topographic map uh, planes that come in. And it was a, quite an old plane. But I was told... Is that like, topographic or cartographic? Oh, cartographic. Okay, I'll yeah, They're shooting. But the, yeah. the camera they've got, and it's worth like $10 million. And you think to yourself, $10 million for a digital camera, like, what would that be shooting? You think what you're getting out of satellite on Google Earth, yep. and that's what the consumers are allowed. So if these guys have got $10 million cameras, imagine what the military can see. Mm. Scary. You can see your beer's empty. Well, it can see my beer's empty and my stomach's empty, and we're going out to dinner, and uh, I think that's probably wrapped the show up. Absolutely. See you next week, viewers. Thanks, viewers. Good night.